0: Wow, you guys are bold. It's great to see you today. I was just thinking about this tent. I'm getting very, very fond of this tent. I'm going to have a hard time taking this down. I really am. It's kind of nice. Uh, kind of makes things different, doesn't it? Sometimes I think we die of sameness, you know. Uh, We just need something different. Well, we got something different, all right, this time. So so we deal with it every day, but it's okay. So hopefully you have an outline, and if you don't, uh, you can just listen. But... um, The title of what I want to share today is called the Salt and Light Company. That's who we are, and I get it from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, Lord, I just take you take this word, uh, your salt and light company, and I pray you to empower us, encourage us and energize us uh, today to do your bidding on the earth. In Jesus name. Amen. So we see as Christians, we have this very unique role to play. The Bible calls it salt and light. I think you can't do much without light, can you? And so that's who we are. We're the light. Jesus is the light of the world and we reflect him. And and, uh, the Lord says, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous. I'll go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? wonder if there are 50 righteous people in the city. Now, Sodom at that time alone probably had 10,000 people. So you say, well, we wonder if they're just 50. Will you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you. (laughs) He's playing against God's own. Far be it from you, O mighty one, O loving one, to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked. Now he's beginning to bargain with God. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike. The whole point is he doesn't treat the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? So he's like telling God to be righteous. It's pretty humorous, but anyway, so not because the wickedness wasn't didn't deserve it, it's because of the righteous person. We're the salt of the earth. So as we think about the earth, wow, that's some essential business we are. <laughs> right? You can't, can't you wouldn't want to. If you're very very unrighteous, don't cancel out the church. They're the one that's keeping you alive. Right? Now, I know that sounds a little egocentric maybe or whatever, but really it's not. Now, think about our own area here. Let's say there's 500,000 people in uh, our area, right? We only need 500. We we got that in our own church, right? So we're keeping the whole area alive, aren't we? (laughs) No, I know there's plenty of other great churches meeting and actually doing the same things we are. So... It's very interesting. All the pastors get really insecure about what everybody's doing, you know. What are you going to do now? Are you you going to me? You're not, you know, they're trying to figure it out, you know. (laughs) So it's really kind of, this is a crazy time anyway. So uh, this doesn't mean, though, that we won't experience persecution. So we do have those troubles. And there is persecution. Matthew chapter 5, I'll just read those verses. That sometimes we actually uh, experience persecution from the enemy for... Well, who we are. And actually, uh, but it's controlled persecution, by the way. Uh, God's in charge of that as well. But he didn't keep himself immune from that when he came to the earth. Part of the reason why he came was to buy us. And that meant he had to suffer, right? And sometimes we're called to suffer along with him. But listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And of course, in the same way they persecuted Jesus as well. This rejoice and be glad. I don't know how to explain this, but I just keep getting this overwhelming bubbling up of joy in me. I'll just be walking along and I just start getting happy. I've been getting this bubbling up, this joy in me. Uh, it's just been, I know it's supernatural because the circumstances around don't warrant it at all. You know, they've been really bad, you know, but, but it, it's, it's amazing. And uh, I just think there's joy even in this time. Matter of fact, I just encourage you all to find your joy because God's really not worried about the politics or anything else. He's not really concerned about it. He actually sits on the throne of the whole thing. He understands what's going on, right? So the most important thing for us is that we won't, we're not included in th- when God judges the wicked. Matter of fact, sometimes we experience direct discipline of the Lord primarily so that we're not condemned along with the rest of the world, you know. Sometimes we get disciplined by the Lord just so we're not condemned with all the rest so we don't experience horrible, horrible problems, horrible, horrible difficulties. Matter of fact, this principle is, is so real that actually I, I, call, I love Psalm 91 so much. And I just encourage you all to pray these things because this is our rightful position. And if you find yourself in a difficult place, you have this thing which will be reflected in this message over and over again. We, this little thing called prayer. It's your lifeline. Think of yourself as way under the water, way under the I've scuba dived one time. Man, I didn't do it twice. Because, <laughs> like, I'm way under the water and I got this thing on and Janice is over there. And we're going... We're swimming, we're swimming, oh, look at that fish, okay, that's nice, but I think I just don't want to die, I'm fine, you know, fine, this is good, this is adventurous of me, how how brave Janice is, look at her, she's thinking the same thing, we're swimming, swimming, I can't wait to get out of here, but we're swimming, oh, look at that turtle, that's nice, it's not worth my life, I think I'll get out now, right, that's pretty much my (laughs) My scuba experience, right? So we may be in trouble, but we have a lifeline. We have a breathing apparatus. It's called connection with Jesus, it's called prayer. People, I'm amazed by how many people don't pray during a time like this. This is your breath, this is where you get life. The supernatural presence of God comes when we pray, we ask Him. I'll just have to exaggerate this a little bit. By Psalm 91, it's one of the most dramatic examples of this lifeline. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, whatever it is, and from what? The deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Sometimes we don't read those passages and think we don't think through them very clearly. We're thinking that when you walk with God, you're not going to have any problems. No, it's precisely because you have problems that they wrote Psalm 91. <laughs> this isn't just for unbelievers; it's for us. <laughs> you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that fly, flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. That's not because you're, you're not in the. You're with the people. You're in the. You're with everybody else. You're in danger. They fall at your your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You'll only observe your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. That saying thing, that's prayer. So you can take these scriptures and say, Lord, you're my refuge. Lord, you're my refuge. If you get COVID-19, you say, Lord, you're my refuge. If you don't get COVID-19, the Lord, you're my refuge. You make the most high your dwelling. You do it personally. You connect. You put on that breathing apparatus and you breathe. A lot of people don't breathe. They just coast. They don't put their scuba gear on, right? Even in horrible danger, they're too afraid. Or they have no faith. They don't know who they're connected to. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. (laughs) For he will command his angels. That's why I like tents. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not... Strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. How many of you know that the serpent and the lion is the symbols of demonic power, d- demons and the devil himself, right? Wow, I get to tread on that? Woo! Because he loves me, says the Lord. That's your only qualification here. Because he loves me, I will rescue him. Not because I was so great. Not because I was so pure. Not because I was perfect. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world because we have this access to God to call on his name, both for ourselves and for other people. There are three ways that God uses Christians as salt and light in the earth, and I can think of probably more than three, but there's three really nicely outlined in Colossians Chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And I want to read these, all right? So here's the first one Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So, how are we the salt and the light of the earth? Well, we pray for the earth, we pray for our neighbors, our friends, everybody around us. That's how we're salt. We, in some ways, can't give more than our prayers. We're standing before the Lord the very Lord of all the earth, and we have access to him because we're sons and daughters. So, he says here, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it as clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we see some things play out. And the first one that I mentioned is this prayer place, this prayer place. And could I just take a little digression here, which is really relevant for our time. We should pray also for kings and all who are in authority. Is that just the good kings that we pray for? Or do we pray for the bad ones? The good kings need the prayer, but how much more do the bad kings need the prayer? So it's so important. It's important to be political until it starts interrupting your lifeline with God and getting a bigger picture. God, just say something about this. I want you to understand as we look through the scriptures and we understand how prayer works. Prayer is a process. Sometimes we pray, and boom, the thing happens right away. But many times we keep on seeking, we keep on knocking, and we keep on asking, and we let God shape it. We're in a now time where we're going to let God shape this, right? Right? We have to trust him. We can't just say, oh, I'm not going to pray for that person or that, you know, the ones that are the wickedest, the ones that are in the most screwed up, uh, whether they're politicians or any kind of other leader in business or industry, it's so important that we pray. It's part of our position as salt and light. When you stop praying, you stop being salt and light because you have access. You have the access to the most important person in the universe, the one that's over all the presidents and all the leaders of industry and all the leaders around everywhere, He's the one that's over all of it. And you have access, your personal friends. Matter of fact, you're his dad. You're his son son and daughter. So we should probably call down some favors from dad, don't you think? Right? But the thing is now let me just explain this a little bit with regard to prayer, how important it is. See, it's so important to us, and I'm just going to read these verses. It's so important to us because, listen, prayer is a journey. So, how many times have I given my kids things? the seventh and eighth time they prayed. (laughs) How many times have they been in a pursuit of that great bicycle when they were little? And how many times did you go to the store looking over bikes and them reminding you and tugging on you, you know, wanting to go to the nearest bike store as near as possible every time you drive by? How many times did they, it was a process, wasn't it? We didn't get the exact bike, maybe. Uh, Maybe we we thought this was good, but then we thought, oh, we found another one. And then we let it wait because we didn't have enough money at the time. Then we went forward and we went back and finally we wrestled that bike down and we got it, right? (laughs) Right? It's the exact same thing. That sounds so simple, but it's true. And now more than ever, I'm so proud of our church. And I'm so proud of many Christians. You were praying. And you thought, oh my gosh, maybe I didn't get the one one that I prayed for. What happened? Nothing happened. You did what you were supposed to do in a level that we have never seen before. I have never seen so many Christians praying for their government. Democrat or Republican. It's amazing. So God didn't just slam the door in our face and say, I ain't going to answer those prayers. No way. You just haven't seen the thing play out yet. You don't know where this is going yet. It may take a year, it may take two years, it may take... I don't know how it's going to play out. All I know is I am so proud of the church, the church Catholics and Protestants and all of them praying and asking God for a good result. I don't think there's ever been a season in my entire history where people prayed harder for their leaders than now. Do you think God's just going to go, Ah, you naughty kids, you've been so nasty, you wanted that bike, I ain't giving you no bike. Would you ever do that with your kids? I ain't going to do that. That's stupid. What do you want a bike for? Well, Dad, I, I just like bikes. You know, my kids, even if they want the stupidest stuff, man, if they pray hard enough, like, I can tell it now. I would never tell them when they were younger. But now, even though they want the stupidest stuff, just because they want it, I want it. You know, I just try to find it and find out. Even things I don't know anything about. Kids ever get in a hobby, involved with something you know absolutely nothing about? I'll never forget it. My, my mother... We wanted to go ski, you know, and <clears throat> we had a ski run in the back of the mountain, you know, and I, where I was raised and, and <laughs> she knew nothing about skiing. But one day because we wanted, it, she took us around the back of the mountain and she taught us to ski. I mean, she she didn't teach us but she gave so she had, knew nothing never, never, but she knew that we liked it. So she sacrificed and paid money, did the whole thing, you know. It was a great cause of joy for us for a long time. And there was a couple of things like that she knew nothing about, but she just wanted our kids to have it, right? So the thing is, God knows what we need, what our country needs. Your prayers haven't been wasted, so don't stop praying. We don't know what the end of this is. We don't know, but I'll guarantee you, all I know is, because there's so many millions of Christians praying, you should be bubbling up with joy, because it's going to turn out right, no matter what. It will. (laughs) It may take a few years to unfold. But see, the thing is, if you don't believe in your prayers, then you can't clap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There he goes again. Not answering my prayers. And then you get into all this thing, and then you go right down the toilet, you know, with all of these newscasters and broadcasts. And listen, I'll tell you another thing. I'm pausing here for a moment, but <clears throat> I'm also proud of all the prophecy that went out. You tried. You were trying to get a word from God. Man, I've never seen so many prophetic words flying all over the place, and they're still flying, right? It's okay. You know why? Because we're getting getting sharper. We're learning. So all this we've been through, all that we're going through now, learn. Be learners. Pick it up. What's right, what's wrong. What was dumb, what's smart what we can pick up out of this and be learners. This is the time we're in. You you can't be a learner if you think God's evil and you didn't measure up somehow and you got it wrong and then you start throwing rocks at people who got that prophecy. Yeah, I heard them. They said this. I knew that prophecy stuff doesn't work. Prophecy works. You know why prophecy works? Because God's a good dad and he still talks. He didn't stop talking. He talks through the Bible all the time. That's why I highly recommend your Bible, by the way. I was just thinking about this today. You know, I know you can read it up there, but bring your Bible. This is where I get almost all my, like, words. God highlights the scripture to me and says, you do that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just the preacher, so I don't know. Maybe I, but. Yeah. This is where you get all these great ideas and thoughts. Hey, I could be just like David, you know. Hey, I could do that. Hey, Paul did that. Man, he was a bad guy, too, right? So here. 1 Timothy two. I fir- urge then first of all, it's interesting. He says first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all and- godliness and holiness. So wait, wait a minute. That guy's no good. How can we live in godliness and holiness with that person or that gal or whoever it is? Really, oh, God's a little bit bigger than Joe Biden or whoever else you have in mind that you don't like. Donald Trump. He's a little bigger than them. Did you notice? He's a little bigger. He can actually kind of turn their heart and channel it. He can do, make them do things despite themselves. You see what I'm saying? We got to make sure we know who's on the throne, right? And that's what you do when you pray. This is good. That's why you're salt and light in the first place. You're salt. Don't lose your saltiness. You keep praying. You keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking until this thing opens, whatever you're looking for, whatever you thinks the right thing. And if it's not the right thing, you'll find out. and you'll, you'll, Maybe you're just 10 degrees off or something, but you'll find out what the right thing is. But only if you keep on listening and praying will you figure it out. When you stop praying, when you stop learning, you become stupid, you know? And I don't want to be stupid. There's enough stupid people running around already. I don't need to be one of them, right? Then he says at the end, this is good and pleases our Savior. He likes you to pray for those in authority. All of them, Gavin Newsom. He loves you to pray for Gavin Newsom, especially now. Who wants all people to be safe and to come I hope he listening, Gavin? (laughs) I'm praying for you. And all these people are too, and they're all smiley. They're not being mean. Who wants all people to be saved to come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one meteor between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the people. So, first of all, pray for kings and all authority. Please. I pray like crazy over kings and all authority, and I think as a result of all this week, you should keep on praying. More now than ever. And again, we're learning now. We're learning. The holy nation, that would be us, is learning how to do politics. We're learning. We're understanding. We're learning about our leadings and how we should act in this time. God's teaching us, so let's just be instructed, right? You can't be instructed if you don't think you're worth anything. You don't, can't be instructed if you don't think you have anything to offer. You have so much to offer. The king of kings lives in you. So be salt and light. I think I don't feel very salty and light. No, sometimes I don't either. But nevertheless, that's who you are. As salt and and light we make the most of every opportunity to reveal Jesus that's verse 5 let's go back to colossians a little bit all right colossians chapter 4 again okay all right so as salt and light this is what we do we devote ourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful praying for doors to open to our message and so on and so forth Pray that I may proclaim it, he says, as clearly as I should. Then the next verse says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So if you want to be salt and light, you live in this sea of people. Some are no Lord, some don't. Make the most of every opportunity. Make sure your ears are open, your eyes see. take opportunity. People feel weak now. They feel lonely now. They feel broken. Be strong with them in the sense of loving them and encouraging them. Right? So salt and light means that you make the most of every opportunity. All right? And then hear this one. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we want our conversation to be seasoned with salt. Friendly conversations of kindness make us very appealing to others, especially those that are in the doldrums, depressed, discouraged. I'll tell you what, a smiling face, a cheerful face in an emergency room are in church or anywhere else, is so powerful. It's part of our saltiness. It's part of what God gives us. We should never lose our saltiness, our witness to others. We shine our light before others, and our good deeds glorify our Father in heaven. We read that from Matthew chapter 5. Our good deeds glorify our Father in heaven, so we don't need, need to lose our saltiness in this time especially. We are the salt and light company. Now, the interesting thing is, when you lose salt... When salt loses it's salting, it's very interesting, it's not good for anything. It, you know what he said? He said it's just worth, the only thing it's good for is to put on the road, right, to be trampled under the feet of men. You know what he's tra- saying there? Because you can't do anything with salt that doesn't have salt, because if you put it in your yard, it'll kill it. Wherever you put salt that's not salty, it'll kill everything. <laughs> the only thing they could find is a use for it is under people's feet, like, for example, ice and snow, or put it on the road. Otherwise, this salt becomes a problem. But if it's salty, then it gets flavor. So we can't lose our saltiness. If we lose our saltiness, and these are some of the ways that we stay we stay salty, we make the most of our opportunity, we pray for others, we let our conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt. We should never lose that. We need to shine our light before others and our good deeds glorify our Father in heaven. That's where we are right now, in every circumstance. We don't want to be the depressed Church hiding away, hoping somehow that, that we're going to escape this whole thing. Oh my gosh, can we get over that now? Look, this is why we're meeting. We're a light on a hill. I think it's time to act like that, always. We, you, we gather, that's what we do. When we gather together and we pray, the, the heavens shake. Do you know that? If two or three agree about anything, he says, I'll do it. So we're two or three gathered together. And part of us, and Jesus said, my house will be a house of purse so we have incredible immense authority here. That's so important. That's why the enemy doesn't like it. Now, our rulers and people are you know, trying to keep us from meeting all this that I've done. And some of it's good wisdom and stuff. We're, You know what? The thing is, God will teach you what wisdom is. We're in that time now. That's why I'm outside, not inside. But I'll be inside soon. When it's wisdom, when it's the time for God to do that. I'm just watching And uh, looking for Jesus, I'm literally uh, listening to the beat of a different drummer, right? Sometimes a drummer is more careful than others. Sometimes he wants to do this. Sometimes he wants that. So we're just trying to follow the cloud and the light. We don't really have strong uh, political dispositions in the sense of inside and outside, but I have a spiritual disposition which tells me this is probably what God would like. It's probably what we should do for now. This is the right thing to do, right? We follow that one, right? And sometimes it might contradict the government a little bit. Sometimes it might. That's like a dichotomy. How could that be? But we always answer to a higher calling, right? But we're not religious, meaning religious. We don't get stupid, right? We don't do things in the name of our own zeal. We just try to be led by the Lord. So I promise you, with our leadership, whatever we're doing, you can bet That I didn't try to do it because of some political statement or because of some this or that or some politician in Sacramento or somewhere or, or not a politician. I never do that. I do it because we felt like God spoke to us to do that. So here we are in the tent or wherever we are. I do it because we're led by the Lord. But the Lord has this interesting way of doing things. So he can also make it at times congruent with the culture around us, maybe a little less congruent at other times. But all the while, we have goodwill toward those over us no matter what, because we know they're sinners just like we were. You know, if they're doing dumb stuff and if they're doing smart stuff, we can applaud them. But either way, we pray that they would make the right choices because when they make the right choices, we all benefit, right? Yeah. So Roman numeral three on your outline, releasing light to the world means that we persp- purposely invest the gospel in our resources in the darkest and weakest of places. I just really want to emphasize this. This is our mission. This is who we are. We invest and the darkest, and the weakest places. That's our primary goal. I think that politics and other things can be so alluring and so exciting. But weak places, that's not exciting. That's trouble. You know, the sick and the lonely and the broken and people that are in faraway places and faraway countries. That's our real salt. That's where our light needs. We need to go to dark places. So who's the weak places? Well, the homeless. And oh, is that hard? We're right in the middle of doing it now. But you know what? Here's what got me in the, way, got in the way of me working with the homeless for a long time. We fed a lot of people, but working with the homeless has always been so hard for me because I thought I had to have it all together. I had to know everything. You know, I had to do it perfectly and, and all that. And then I, I thought, oh, man, this is... So... And then I was worried about money and how expensive it was and all this. And I thought, God just showed me, no, look, look, look. Here's what you do. You just take one <laughs> and you try it out. So I did. And it was expensive at first. But the Lord told me, look, when you do the one, I'll show you how to do the next one. And then I'll show you how to do the next one. And then I'm going to make this so that you begin to get good at it. So I'm learning to get good at this. All right? Because, but you've got to take your first step. I say get good at it. I'm doing this more and more. Our church is doing this more and more. We're now housing the homeless. I didn't even think we'd get that far, but we're getting farther and farther. we got like 15 now, and it's going to grow to 50 someday. It'll grow to 100 someday. We're going to learn, and I'm learning how to do this. So people want us to go faster. Some of us want to go slower. But I'm just going to go at my own pace. I'm just going to learn. God, teach me. I need to know how to do this without totally wiping myself out, without exhausting everything we have and every resource. Show me how to do this. And One of the first things I did when I took that step was I learned, wait, wait a minute. Homelessness isn't one thing. Homelessness is all kinds of things. There are people that are just on the edge and about to fall down. Well, let's help them before they fall under, Right? They're not just the ones on the street. We have a homeless crisis. Now, the church should be right in the middle of it. And if you wait through the government to handle it, it's going to be a disaster. They can help some of their out of resources already. So, we bring our resources and we bring our wisdom and we figure out how to do this. And we are figuring out how to do this. We're learning. I'm learning the value of hotels, hotels are great. Because if I get a bad actor and I take a risk with them, I'll let the hotel deal with them. <laughs> and so I told this this homeless expert who I'd been talking to. I said that you are so smart. It's like you are so smart, Gump. You know, I thinking, yeah, I feel like Forrest Gump. I was just like you're so smart. You're a genius. Because we took us five years to learn that. You learned it the first week. You know. I said, yeah. Because, man, I don't know what to do with these people. I don't know how to interpret. Some of them are in our church and I love them and I can work with them. But others, I don't know what to do with them. And I don't know about their drug addictions and their mental illness. And I figured out, whoa, there's a little bit of drug uh, addiction and mental illness here too. Now what do I do about that? So this is a sloppy situation. It's not easy. But look, look, we need to commit ourselves to rebuild these places. You know, and these drug addicted uh, homeless or The jobless or the mentally ill or the sick or the elderly. Children. Children. They're weak. Our schools are corrupt. We have to change. We have to educate them now. All the way up. I hope it gets better, but right now, there's too much in the air. So, I promise myself, I'm never going to do a school again. Did it a few years ago. And then here I am. God said, I want a school. And I said, you're right, God. And away we went. Now we got 80 kids. 80 kids. And I'm trying to figure out how to handle all this and how to do the structure of it and how to build out and everything. You're, this place is under a constant construction now. Because of the changes that have come, because of the week primarily, we've made changes all over the place. You won't see them all yet, this tense part of it, but you haven't seen it all yet, all the changes, because it's taken us a while to figure out how to design our place so that it's actually helpful to the weak. And that would include our, our kids, right? The sick, the jobless, learning to help people work. We've got 80 people we've hired now. We're learning about joblessness. People need a job. People need help. The broken hearted. All kinds of sickness and mental illness. We're just jumping right in the middle. You know, if we put ourselves and we say, I am the salty that I'm going to invest in these dark places, I'll tell you what, there's tremendous reward. I'll get to that in a moment. But what is it like to build these places? Well, the first thing is, it takes a people of compassion. And sometimes all it is, is you don't feel too emotional about it. You say, you know what? I am not going to walk on the other side of the road with that person that's in need anymore. That homeless person, I'm not going to just look at, look at them day after day. I'm going to do something about it. That's what I told you. I had that encounter with Mother Teresa in India, and she said, the Bible's advice, it's the same thing that I'm saying now. She said, look, see, and do something about it. So what God expects the church to do is assault salt and the light of the earth is look. Look, notice, see. And then when you see the problem, do something about it. So when we invest in weak places, wherever those weak places are, and we concern ourselves with children, poverty-stricken nations, and the broken heart. This is where all the action is anyway, I found out. Do you want to see the mighty hand of God? Start investing in the weak. Then you'll find the mighty hand of God. This is why I spent my entire life, which I could see so much clearly in the nations than I can here. But I really noticed that when the the harvest, where it is, is in these poverty-stricken nations. And right now, we're in an unparalleled season of harvest. Because the church has learned to go to the farthest reaches of the earth and has learned to minister to the poor in these places. And these churches are becoming mighty and strong. And it's powerful. It's the most awesome thing I've seen. But I learned a long time ago, don't go to rich places, go to the poor places. If you want us to lead people to Christ, go to the poor places, the broken places, the devastated places, and lead those to Christ. And they're very, very open to anything you have to say. The poor are like that, especially if they're devastated. And if you'll... Reach out with them and not walk on the other side of the road. Isn't that the whole parable of the Good Samaritan? We're determined not to walk on the side of the road, to see a person in need. I'm not going to walk on the side of the road when I see our kids need to be educated. I'm not going to walk on the other side of the road when I see this problem and that problem. I assume that me is a salt bringer, me is a light bringer, that's my job. Okay, now the problem is there's so much out there. Ha, where in the world do I start? Where do I start as an individual? Here's where you start. Just do a little thing and let the Lord teach you how to do it. Don't try to do everything. You'll burn out. Just try to do a little bit. Just take a little step. Give an extra gift to someone on the corner. Just do it. You go, know, oh, what about this? What about that? You know, gosh, am I going to make them depend? Don't think like that. Just learn. Step by step. Just learn and let yourself grow into it. Give yourself some space. You're going to be just super duper a hauser of everything. <laughs> you just need to be get started. Like I started with that lady, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He says, you help this lady. I'll show you how to do more. So we did. She'd been homeless 15 years. And I found her a place to stay, and I just paid for her to stay there. And then she stopped coming to our church. And I thought, oh, that's horrible. But then I think, nah, that wasn't why I did it. So I just kept doing it. It's been like seven, eight years now. And I found out a couple of years ago she was going to a friend of mine's church and she's doing great. And I thought, all right. But I didn't stop doing it because she didn't go to our church. I just keep doing it, right? But she was my seed. She showed me. When I did that, then the Lord showed me. And then you know what? I'll get, I'm good, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But there's all kinds of things that go. I, I almost went the wrong way. All right. Second thing is faith. Believing God will show us how to build one step at a time. You just have to get started. Look, see, and do something about it. And then God will show you how to do more. You don't have to be everybody's solution. Just do what you can do in the moment and let God grow you, right? Restoring devastated places requires an entire spirit-filled community with their unique gifts, abilities, wisdom, experience, and background. Every gift counts. Everyone can shine their light. Now, here's the thing. As we address our community, all of you have different gifts and anointings to do stuff. So what I'm learning about this whole thing of Letting our salt, uh, uh, being salty and letting our light shine is it takes all of us together. And if all of us get our gifts going toward the week, then guess what? We can do it. Because people have these un, uh, unusual giftings, abilities they didn't even know they had, financial abilities, abilities and skills in terms of dealing with broken people, um, abilities to be friends, uh, abilities to notice, prophetic abilities, uh, even healing anointing abilities. We direct them, and all of us do it. Then God starts calling out our giftings. You want to see us really become light and salt? It's when God starts activating all of our abilities. Amen. Most of us don't have our gifts activated because we've pointed our gifts at the church and those that have. Start pointing your gifts at the have-nots and see what God does. If you want to be prophetic, start pointing your gifts at the have-nots and see what kind of anointing God gives you to be prophetic to them. You'll read their mail. You'll talk about things they could not imagine. You'll encourage them, you'll lead them right to Christ. Every kind of gift like that, it works that way. We just got to make sure we point it in the right direction toward this world that God loves so much. We are his salt and light company. And if we stop being salt and we stop being light, what happens to us? Well, we get trampled. In our world today, even the other party, whichever one that might be for you, we understand basic (laughs) <laughs> Stop laughing at me. So ever one that might be. Part, everybody respects going to the week. That's something we can all agree on. I think that's an amazing thing. We found something we can all agree on. That's incredible. So let's do it, right? So this, <clears throat> this, um, Community thing is really an amazing thing I'm beginning to learn. I, I've never seen us work together like we have in the last several uh, months and years. So as the warehouse went up and we began to employ people and we began to sell things and we began to have money to give away then for a benevolence thing and we found this synergy began to develop, and people coming in, and we began to feed them, and we'd bring them in here that get saved and healed. We began to learn, and it kind of infected the whole church. So, you know, everybody can has junk, so they bring it, <laughs> you know. Everybody sort of started like a ball rolling, and now we're learning. You know, like I've seen this happen a dozen times. Somebody, uh, I used to be, someone say, well, you know, I'd like to donate my car, and I go, oh, okay, like it's a... No, and usually the cars people want to donate, they're like, like not like a 2021, you know, uh, something or other. They're usually like a little older. And so I used to go, okay, you know, and I still do that if it's like a 2005 or something. But I, I, now I realize, look, I've had this happen so much. Somebody will give me a car, right? Give us a car, and they say, would you like the car? And I say, yes. They go, they said, that was... Yeah, I'll take it, you know. You know why? Because I've learned that we have such a synergy right now. If they'll give me that car... And I'll, almost always, within a week, I'll find out who to give it to. It's amazing. Sometimes I find out the same day. And it's a lot of stuff like that. People are generous and they give, and then we find out the next day who to give it to. So that's the whole body began to work. Uh, we were kind of dull in the beginning, but now I'm, I'm alert. I'm alert. Wow, I am like this giving tree. You give to us, we will give it out. It'll find a way. It might take us a while to figure out what we're going to do with that thing you gave us. <laughs> It might end up in the dump, honestly, but sometimes it's the most incredible thing. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for that trash compactor. <laughs> Every day of my life, I thank you, Jesus. It was so bad. Trash. I've never seen so much trash in my whole life until that compactor came. Ooh, it's a mighty thing. It's a mighty gift from God. It really is. (laughs) So, let me just say this before I move on. I'm almost done. The deep needs of the homeless crisis. So, what do the homeless need? Let's just talk about that because it's very on everybody's mind, right? It's just a good example of salt and light. So, I found out that they don't have just one need. (laughs) Duh. But they have multiple needs. First thing is they need a relationship with Jesus. They need someone speaking to them on a supernatural level if they can have hope that they're going to be okay, that God will take care of them, right? We just assume that as believers we have that, but a person's on the street or homeless or in a really tragic situation. They might not be homeless in the sense of they've been out there forever, but they're facing that, as some of you are maybe. They're facing, well, what am I going to do about my home? You're homeless. What what am I going to do about my apartment? What am I going to do? There's a crisis. The the rents have all gone up, right? But people's wages didn't go up. And people also are out of work. So some of you right now, even today, are trying to figure out where am I going to live next month or or where am I going to work or I lost my job or, or whatever, right? So the thing is I'm learning. Okay, but let's just take the worst of it, the worst situation with regard to a homeless person, you know, the person that's really, really destitute, right? And been on the street for a while. I'm learning something about this. One of the reasons why we keep having the problem is because the salt and the light company haven't gotten busy yet. And then we thought, well, we'll just depend on everything, the money and the resources and the wisdom of all the world, but they're, they're over their head, way over their head. I thank God that the government will do something and help people in some ways, but the problem is so massive and so what I'm learning is it takes several things to heal these horrible social issues that we have today. One of them is, let's just start there, a relationship with Jesus. That solves a lot of problems because then you get them being salt and praying, and they, you get them giving, right, and the whole thing, right. And so, and God rewards them, and God blesses them. They learn how. But people that are in crisis that are homeless, they just they they got to have a living space with peace. They have to have some place. they got to find a place to live, you know. Some place they, they can, because they can't get well on the inside, get a job and do all that till they settle their life down just for a second so they can think, right? They're too busy surviving. And so we have to learn to have those places. They need a job. They need a healing community of friends. Oh, my gosh, how important this is. They don't have friends. They need friends. We can be their friends. They need friends. And they need miracle power. See, they don't just need a home. They need all this other stuff too or they won't ever get out of where they're at. So that's what we come in. That's where we come in. So a person that's homeless, when they bring them in, even if you put them in the house or the place, they still need all these other things because if they don't have it, they're going to fall right back in. They're going to have a hard time. They need real relationships with real people who really care for them. They need real prayer, real miraculous power of Jesus. They need a healing community. They need a job. They need a place to work now. And they need a job and you've got to have a little room for them, space for them, right? You've got to give room for them because they're not used to working. So you've got to lower the bar a little bit. See, all of that, our government can't take care of all these needs. They can give them a place to stay. But what about their drug habit? Somebody's got to walk through that with them. Who is that that walks through that with them? Us, the salt and the light. But if you leave that undone, you give them a space to live, but then you see what happens. I think it was even worse. I gave you a place to live, but I didn't take care of all these other emotional needs. I need friendship. I need belonging. I need love. I need prayer. I need Jesus. I need life. I need hope. Put me in a square box, fine. But that isn't going to solve my problem. It might even make it worse. But if you put all of it together, ah, then you have something, right? Let me just say this, and I'll finish this way. Sowing seed among the weakest in our world is high yield. Seed. Whether it's missions and releasing the gospel in an area that has never had the gospel before, and you release that, and you begin to deal with the poor. Right now in India, we've progressed, we've grown. It used to be that we would just, we couldn't take it anymore. So what we do is we just take a person that was on the side of the street that left. I mean, a person who had left their child on the side of the street because they were deformed or crippled, and they just leave them out there, and they get thrown in trash cans even. And the government did not know what to do, and they would just die. But we saw that, and so we started taking them. We didn't know how to handle children like this. How are we going to handle them? We just said, we volunteer. We started taking them in. Called it Sarah's Covenant Hope. We just began to take them in. We didn't know how to do anything. just started taking them in. Pretty soon, the government started giving them to us and begging us to help them because they didn't want them to die either. So now we have this entire Sarah's Covenant home, and then we became the first agency in India, the first one, to get these kids adopted to other nations. We're the ones that pioneered. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. And finally, we persuaded them. And so now we not only get kids in, we give them medical care and we help them, but we also, we also send them out to other nations and places for moms and dads that want them, right? So the thing I'm trying to say is, it's high yield. When you do this, it's made us the city on a hill. It's kept us from oh, tons of persecution. It's kept us from lots of pressure from the government. They like us because we do that, right? And other things like that, you know? So it's high yield. It bears in so many ways, and not only that, but there's a joy and there's a power and authority in our movement because we do these sort of things. The scripture says, give, and what? It shall be given to you. And what does it say after? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know what? We have never had such prosperity in our church. Last year was the biggest year we've ever had. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'm trying to figure out what's what. It's just because you can't outgive God. You keep giving and giving and giving. Guess what? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's high yield seed to you, but it's also high yield seed to others, right? Both ways. There's a certain joy that comes. Up. That's why I think I've been bubbling up. I get happy every once in a while, just for no apparent reason. I just bubbling. Why? It's part of the joy of the Lord. And also, as we sow seed in these weakest places, the progress of the gospel in our city and in poverty racked places throughout the earth is outstanding. These people will receive. By the way, right now, we're in the midst of a revolution. I'm going to call it right now. So we've had this Hispanic church here for a while, but they're beginning to take root. They're beginning to grow, and we're doing it in conjunction with the warehouse. You should have seen this tent. It was filled with people. And the pastor of the Hispanic church is standing up there preaching the gospel. And he's, it's, you could just see it. I could see it. I, I saw this tent's going to be filled. And We've been doing this for years, but this yield seed, when you start dealing with the practical needs of people, it brings results. It causes impact. It causes change. It causes healing. It causes anointing. It causes blessing, right? It's a blessing to us and a blessing to them. High yield seed. Just invest in the weak. That child, those children that we have that we're investing in right now, high yield seed. We're going to get a huge return from our investment in our kids. We're going to see what comes out the other end. They're going to be awesome kids, powerful, spirit-filled kids. And all the rest, wherever we sign our light and invest in weak places, that's our job description. Invest your life, you know, place in weak places. Why? Well, I wanted to invest in like this and that, but just go to the lowest place, and you'll find that it's high yield. It'll bless you, financially, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and it'll bless the world the same way and release great power. Amen? Amen. All right, let's all stand. Lord, I just declare over us today that we volunteer to be your salt and light company. We're going to bring salt and light, Lord. Even we don't know how to do it. Even we don't know what to do. And we're going to let you do one thing from you, and we know what to do. And we do well. Lord, we declare that today in Jesus' name. We are the salt and light company. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. You have given us a commission, a lovely commission, one full of joy and grace. One that blesses the world and blesses us. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I just release this salt and light company into the world today. Lord, I pray, God, we would be getting better and better. I pray this transition we've made through this plague, Lord, I pray it would make us a salt and light company. I pray we would be more interested in the week than ever before. We would sow more, we'd be full of light. And I just say in the name of Jesus, God will catch up with you with your jobs and your living spaces no matter what. Just keep your boat pointed the right direction and make sure you're always salt and you're always light. I give you that commission. Be salt and light in the mighty name of Jesus.